Yes, we're talking about the abundance to have incredible amount of, of connection and closeness in your relationships. To have the ultimate freedom to do what you want, where you want, when you want, with whomever you want, as much as you want, as often as you want, for as long as you want. That is abundance of the practical kind. And it's my observation that people consistently are masters at keeping themselves away from the things that are desperately trying to come into their life. All of those desires you've ever had, all the dreams and the goals that you've said, someday I'm going to have it. Well, when the hell is someday going to be? Why not now? Hello, I'm Rod Jans, and you're listening to FuelRadio.com, a show about transformations. So I'm here with Jesse Elder in Seattle, and we just he just taught for three hours. So I'm really happy that he's maybe three maybe three and a half hours. What? Three and a half hours. <laughs> and we're here with some other people just to give the context. We're in a sushi restaurant, and I just really appreciate you taking the time to to do this. So your session just totally messed me up. I don't know what to call you now or any. What do you call yourself? Are you a, a coach, a I'm, teacher, I'm an, a trainer? I'm an improv action philosopher, and I do my own stunts. Throughout this podcast, we're going to hear from several of the people who participated in the Seattle event. Natalie Cadeau and her husband are coaching clients of Jesse's. While in Montreal on a coaching visit, Jesse shared his vision for the tour with Natalie and her husband and asked Natalie to help organize the tour. Here's Natalie. So, so basically, the way it happened is when he was in Montreal, like um, he asked, you know, me to be uh, the tour manager, and that's how I saw like how different he is. Like it's all a collaboration between many, many people, and to coordinate uh, uh, everybody is like a little bit like what I, like, I'm trying to do with him, and helping, uh, you know, on coordinating with all the people that are involved because it's like you know, getting free rooms in all the cities and some people are like finding yoga studios, sometimes in, is in the hotel room, sometimes it's in people's houses. So it's very um, communal, you know, it's very different that way. And it fits with Jesse's way of being also. It's very authentic. <laughs> and it's not highly promoted either. Like he's not paying for advertising and no. there's no funnel or anything like that. No, we do that. We're in marketing and like, he doesn't do any funnel. He's like always organic, always Facebook. And uh, he does a bit of Instagram, I think now, but that's actually new. But he's like, it's very, very organic. What's What's been the feedback so far? He's been to, uh, at the time of this recording, he's been to Salt Lake, to Seattle, to Portland, and to LA. What, what kinds of things are you hearing back? Oh, everybody's loving it. Everybody's so happy to have been there. Uh, like, he's like, on a high <laughs> like he's like having so much fun like like I said to be in his shoes must be amazing right now and uh, like everybody's loving it everybody's like so thrilled about everything and he's having the time of his life <laughs> and you just finished saying that you're out to kill the life coaching industry and well, it's, we- di- it's dying anyway I'm just here to help it so, so that it can experience the resurrection is waiting for it. Something else, yeah. yeah. One question I had, I, like I've listened to all tons of interviews about you, about you and you've told your story and stuff like that. But to me, there seems to be some missing years. Like, uh, hmm. <laughs> and you're so the lost, lost years. The lost years. Like, did you go to Nepal and do the Batman <laughs> thing or something? Like that? No, no. So without going to too great a detail, like how did you get here? How did you go from there to here? Like when I hear your story, I hear some years of definite growth. I hear you mention that you were coached. 
maybe mm-hmm. describe the last few years. There seems to be some astronomical growth even in your own life and your own business. How did how did we get to here? Uh, well, it's a really, I think it's a great distinction you made, Rod, because it it you know, when when you're teaching and presenting, and this is a lot of coaches and speakers do this. There's the ten the tendency, and also the the temptation to say, well, this is the this is the hardest part, and that led to everything, mm-hmm. you know. But it's really, I mean, I I still you're still growing. Oh my God, I yeah. I dude, if we did this interview a year from now, I would. I hope that I feel like I'm still just getting started. And and that's the sense that I have right now. Here kicking off the tour and this being the first, you know, big stop that we're doing and I mean we're just on the beginning of something that's really unknown and exciting. And I've I've always craved that. Like I've always looked for that in my life. And so um, you know, opening the martial arts school and, and then you know, I did that in my early twenties and then spent the next Fifteen years in that world, and slowly began to realize that there was a there was a bigger, uh, not bigger. There was a different application of the philosophies that I had and that I was attracted to, and so I began working with friends of mine who are entrepreneurs and started uh, helping them to conceptualize their businesses differently, think about themselves differently, and all of a sudden I realized that wow, this is this is what I'm supposed to do. Like this is the next step because it's not just about the physical techniques, those are a vehicle for something else, just like business is a vehicle, you know, for the expression of your vision and your values. I mean, that's what all entrepreneurs are doing is trying to remake the world according to their own image. It's a very, very cool thing. Um, so I got really clear in 2012 that that I was done with mm-hmm. the schools. Uh, I knew with, with, the, with the martial arts with the martial arts schools. Yeah, yeah, I knew in 2012 that that was it. And, um, and you know how it is, once you know something, and then you know that you know you can't pretend you don't. And and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks at that point. And so I approached a business partner and uh, we worked out a, a deal. And uh, actually, when I, when I told him that I was going to sell the schools, it was a surprise to him. You know, he, mm-hmm. wasn't, he wasn't expecting that. And he immediately began crunching all the numbers and said, well, you know, this is how much I'm going to pay you for this one. And this is how much this one is worth. And and uh, he ended up writing down a number and showed it to me. And it was the exact number that I'd written on an index card right. two months prior to that. And with no negotiation, no, it was just either I either I picked the number out ahead of time that he was going to say, or he wrote the number down that I was projecting. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, it was the same one. And uh, within a couple of months after that, I was out. I was done with the business that I'd spent most, really, my life since I was 15 teaching. And, um, and I had a couple of clients at that time. And uh, that was 2013. It was a real year of, of reinvention. It was a year of very intense reflection. In many ways, it was a year of starting over. Uh, because I'm, you know, I'm out of this business that I that I'm not going to go back into. You have uh, some other things going on. I in your personal got, life. I got separated. Yeah. yeah, I got separated, and then I ended up getting divorced, and that was very, very hard. Uh, even though the decision was clear, you know, it certainly played out differently than I than I thought or intended, and and I accept total responsibility for how. I was during that time that could have absolutely been different, and I'm also completely at peace with it. 2013 was a year of, uh, in many ways, really starting over, and very aware of the temptation to just, well, let me just go market some stuff. You know, let me just go sell some stuff, and I just, I couldn't. Like, it just wasn't in me to do. It wasn't in me to go market some stuff 
so that people could buy. I, I just didn't want to. Are you talking about marketing stuff in the coaching industry? Yeah, kind of or whatever? yeah, yeah, the coaching yeah. industry, the, the you know the, the guru space, speaker. Kevin Thompson is the owner of Maximum Response Marketing. He met Jesse back in 2013 after Jesse reached out to him on Facebook. As you're about to hear, Jesse and Kevin had a quick conversation that resulted in immediate dividends. So just tell me about yourself. What do you do for for work? Uh, I am, I guess we can put it, I, I am a connector. I, I uh, love connecting other people. I've been doing it for years uh, and, and I've been connecting with other people to help grow my own business and, and partnering and collaborating and, and, uh, and it's been very, you know, it's just been such a great experience. Interested in your own Jesse Elder story. Where did you first hear about Jesse and um, have you ever received any coaching for him or anything like that? Just tell us your own Jesse have, Elder story. Yeah. You know, very interesting. I, the first, so very interesting. The first time I met Jesse was before he was the Jesse Elder that everybody now knows. I mean, before he was ever on Facebook doing anything, <laughs> it, this would have been back in September of 2012, he he reached out to me on Facebook. And what was interesting, Rod, is I had just got one of these uh, one of these phones where I had now had Facebook on my phone. Prior to that, I was old school and uh, didn't even have Facebook on my phone or anything like that. And and I and and, I, and quite honestly, I was not very active on Facebook at that time at all. And, and so I was actually at, uh, I, I was at a park with my son and, and I get this, my, my phone starts going off and I get this Facebook message. And I'm like, what the heck? Who is this? I was like, they don't know me very well because this certainly ain't the best way to get my attention. <laughs> but yet he had, he had sent me this message telling me how, you know, introducing himself, you know, Hey, my name's Jesse Elder. I just wanted to let you know. Uh, he's like, I was at a seminar that you spoke at in Tampa several years ago. I was in the audience at this seminar that Matt Fury put on, and and I saw you speak there, and I was just really impressed with your presentation there. And he's like, and just recently, uh, last week, I listened to you on Joe Polish's I Love Marketing podcast. And and he's like, and I, I got to tell you, Kevin, I am just so impressed with how far you've come in the time that, you know, from since I first saw you, and I just wanted to reach out and say hi and introduce myself. And, and of course, he got my attention. He got my attention. <laughs> um, and, and so I reached right back out to him and then just said, wow, Jesse, great to meet you. I'd love to have a talk with you and get to know you. And so we started talking on the phone a little bit. And, and then the following month, uh, it just so happens I was going to this event that Joe, the I Love Marketing seminar that Joe Polish and Dean Jackson were putting on in Phoenix. And Jesse was going to it as well. And so he and I got to meet in person there. And at that event, I also had some of my clients there. And at, uh, at, at one point in the event, I was standing in the back of the room on a break. I was talking with uh, a couple of my clients and Jesse was standing there as well. And I introduced them to Jesse. And when, when the, we finished the conversation, uh, Jesse was like, he told me, he's like, Kevin, they want more from you. 
And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I don't know what, what level of service you're giving them now, but whatever level of service you're giving them, they want more. I'm like, well, how do you knew that? know that? And he's like, well, their body language and just kind of some of the things they said, it, it just like made me realize they want more. And I'm like, all right. I was like, you, you got to kind of share some insight because uh, you're seeing stuff that I'm not seeing. <laughs> and, and so we went out and we sat uh, in, in, the, uh, in the hallway outside for the next couple hours. And he walked me through a bunch of stuff and we mapped some stuff out. And, and he's like, you know, hey, why don't you take them out to dinner tonight and just have this conversation with them? And uh, long story short, uh, I did that. I had the conversation with them. I made an offer to provide them a higher level of service than I was giving them. And I walked away with a $12,000 check. And I was just like, wow, that is pretty doggone simple. And, and I told Jesse after that experience, I was like, you know what? I was like, I would like to hang out with you some more and learn some more from you. And so it would have been in, I think, probably November of that same year, I, I flew down to San Antonio to meet with him for a couple days. And, and during that uh, three, two and a half days I was with him, we really uncovered some big stuff, Rod. And, and one of the biggest things that we uncovered is that, you know, that I was this really giving and generous guy and kind of like you, you know, always wanting to help other people, but I was not so good when it came to the receiving side, because when people would want to do for me, I'd be like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. I'm good. I'm good. You know, and, and Jesse's like, Kevin, he's like, you are shutting off the flow of so many incredible things in your life by being that way. And I just kind of, I don't want to just tell you that, but I would just want to kind of, you know, give you an analogy and paint a picture for you so you understand what it is that you're doing and, and why you might want to change what you're doing. And, and so he, he starts asking me, he's like, Kev, when you, when you do or give to somebody else who's appreciative of that, how does that make you feel? And I was like, oh, I was like, Jesse, man, that is like the most incredible feeling in the world. I love that. And he's like, fantastic. And he's like, do you realize that by you not wanting to take from other people, not wanting to be perceived as a taker, you know, and all of that and not being open to receiving from others, you are actually depriving them from having that same feeling. And, and he's like, you know, who are you to do that? I mean, is that who you really want to be? I'm like, no. I said, like, gosh, when you explain it that way, no, I don't want to do that to other people. And he's like, he's like, so let me, let me explain this. He's like, giving and receiving. He's like, they're just different sides of the same coin. And you've got to get equally good at doing both of them. And if I were to ask you, you know, what do you prefer better, breathing in or breathing out? And you actually gave me an answer. I tell you, great. You know, try doing only that for a while and see how far you get because you got to do both. And, and he's like, the same is true of giving and receiving. And so that one conversation, Rod, that was a complete game changer for me in my life, in my business. Uh, I mean, so many things have happened since then. Uh, and, and of course, that, that conversation uh, led to me wanting to like, you know, I, I wanted to have really regular conversations with Jesse. And so I did, I ended up hiring him and we had a one-on-one -on -one working relationship for, well, I think it was almost about three years. We, a lot of things transpired in that time.
where? To use your own words today, you had a desire to do something different, it sounds like. Absolutely. To do it differently. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and not just to do it differently for the sake of individuality, but do it because I'm allergic to conformity. The moment I see that there's conformity happening, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for unity and I'm all for cohesion and collaboration and co-creation and teamwork. I mean, I spent decades doing that in my own life. Um, I just, in the, in the direction that I feel the world is going, economically, politically, socially, um, I think that our world is going to become increasingly fragmented, but that's not a bad thing. It just means that there's more choices. And to the person who doesn't know who they are, and they haven't taken time or, or gone through process to really find out who is the truth of them, the most authentic, powerful, clear version of themselves, which we all have, we just... You know, we just we just get logic involved and we think our way out of our essence. Um, I think for the person who is not in alignment with who they actually are, the world is going to become increasingly scary. For those that are tapped into that signal, to that inner wisdom, they're always going to be receiving inspiration and ideas from whatever you want to call it, superconscious, God, cosmic Google, wherever it is that ideas come from, wherever it is that inspiration strikes from. Wherever it is that uh, songs are written from, that paintings are sourced from, wherever those things come from, every one of us has access to that. And when you're connected to that intelligence, whatever it is, and you allow it to express through you, then you're invincible. You always have the right idea. You're always in the right place at the right time. And am I talking about being lucky? Damn right. And I believe you can manufacture your own luck. And that's why I've dedicated all of this, this whole tour, all my teaching. Uh, I'm still doing very specialized business coaching, um, but that's for, it's, it's either for individuals uh, who go through kind of a vetting process or it's through very sporadic events. Uh, but the larger message really is for everybody. The larger message really is, uh, basically, if you've, got a, if you've got a pulse and a central nervous system, this message is for you and you have a choice lean into the truth and the fullness of your own power or avoid it. No right, no wrong. You have a choice to do either one. Was there a really specific moment that you knew you were going to do this? Like, can you describe a moment where you just thought, I'm... uh, this is what I'm I'm meant to do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue what you're doing now. Yeah, it was it was somewhere in between uh, changing dirty diapers because I was the oldest of five. Um, that was my early leadership training, free, free babysitting. I knew when I taught my first martial arts class, there was an energy in not giving back because I don't. I mean, to give something back, you have to have taken it in the first place, and I don't. Energy doesn't move that way. Um, but I knew that I had learned from my instructors. And how it felt to pass that on was incredibly powerful. And I began to see change happening for people. And I selfishly really liked the way I felt when I saw people making these changes. So from those early years, I knew that it would be something. Uh, I certainly didn't anticipate that it would end up like it has today. You know, I heard, I heard, uh, I've heard lots of comparisons you know, to other speakers and other teachers and other gurus and and. The, and I will say that it it gives me peace of mind to not be compared to anybody. Uh, When people say, you know, this guy is not like anybody else or he makes so-and-so look like, you know, something else, you know, a part of me feels like that's just a natural result of just continuing to follow um, the signal and, and follow what I feel is the right thing. 
just briefly, there, there may not be too much of a story to this, but coming down to the release tour, it seems like, you know, with your relationship with him, here's an opportunity to come down from Arlington and just come to Seattle a, a short drive away and, and uh, reconnect with, with Jesse. Was there anything in particular that you got out of that day that you could tell us about? For, for, so for one, just hanging out, any time spent with Jesse is time well spent, you know, <laughs> and, and any time that I can hang out with him like that, um, I mean, I'm going to take advantage of that. And in fact, I told a couple of my friends about that. And, and so they were able to come. I, I had uh, four other people that I had shared uh, that event with and ended up coming to it as well. And so that makes me really feel good to be able to, you know, kind of introduce them to Jesse too and, and uh, let him have an impact on their lives too. And so, you know, so just being there and just hanging out with Jesse, like I said, any time spent around Jesse is just really quality time and totally worth it. And, and so what I see, Rod, is that, you know, pretty much like, I mean, when, when you go to events like that and you're with the ca- kind of caliber of people that are also there, I mean, you can't help but have good things happen from that. And I, and I never go to stuff like that with the expectation of like, you know, okay, I want this to come from this or I want to meet somebody that I'm going to do business with or what have you. I just go with the expectation of something good and something great is going to happen because I go to this. And I just keep putting myself in, in situations like that. And of course, Jesse is just brilliant at, you know, providing that kind of an environment because that's the kind of people he attracts to him. So yeah, that's kind of what transpired from, from that particular event. It, it seems like, like I followed you pretty closely. It seems like you've reached a bit of a tipping point. Would you say that you've reached a tipping point? Like, um, feel like I always feel like I've, like I've, like it's I've an ongoing a tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I always feel like I'm on a tipping point. You have a different philosophy as far yeah. as that's concerned. And I like it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't ever want to arrive and I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm convinced that I never will. And that's a huge part of the, of the message is a huge part of what I teach is, is smoothing out the whole, the whole journey to success and fulfillment. You know, it doesn't have to be a series of jagged peaks and valleys. Um, I really think it can be just one long, smooth, ever-accelerating ride. And we like to think of success as binary. Oh, I've made it. I haven't. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, the moment you arrive at some quote-unquote success, you, you're, still, you're still you. And so if you're not happy with who you are today, you're just going to be a, a wealthier version of unhappy. And money just gives you more ways to make choices. And if you're unhappy and you're making choices with your current level of money, watch what happens when all of a sudden you have a lot of money and you're unhappy. The choices you make from there are are uh, spectacular to watch, actually. And so, I'm not in a hurry to reach the tipping point. Um, I imagine that what will happen is somebody will hear about it. They'll tell somebody else who will tell somebody else that realizes they have a lot to gain by making money off of this, and their publisher will step in, or Hollywood will step in, or some something will happen because that's just how the world works. And when that happens, I'll still be me, and I'll still be wanting to do crazy things like schedule a tour with no planning. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things I one of the things I appreciated about today is there was no hard sell. Like yeah. He just invited us to to do other stuff. Yeah, that's obviously very uh, a conscious choice of yours, right? And yeah. I think we're so we almost brace for it, you know, like yeah. 
<laughs> comes a punch in the balls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh, if you buy today, it's going to be a thousand dollars. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah, buy today, it's going to be five hundred dollars. If you wait three days, it's going to be a thousand bucks. So yeah. So what do you, what do you, what's your thinking behind this whole tour? Like you're just out there giving it, giving it away. Uh, selfishly, I don't sleep very well at night if I haven't taught in in a seventy-two hour period. Yeah, you just love to yeah. teach. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's and it's not even teaching. Like today, there was no curriculum. There's no planning. It's three hours, four hours of improv. So I was going to ask you: Were you just improving today? Were you just yeah. free flowing? A hundred percent. Wow. Yeah, just kind of wait for what hits you and what the what your audience what the well, it's, people it's in the feeling, room bring it's a, part, up it's a partnership feeling yeah. you know it's a partnership because yeah. you would would you're like you know the comment about about power you know mm. and that really registered for you who we are man yeah. and so when, when we realize that in ourselves yeah. and then I have the responsibility to be uh, to help birth that awareness into reality it's not me mm-hmm. I'm not some fucking guru I just have some ideas that have worked really well in my life that I have the privilege to be present when other people are there. And it's like, you know, I'm the oldest of five. Um, I was the only one that was born in a hospital. Everyone, my siblings was born at home. So, I mean, I was in the house when my siblings were born and every single time a midwife came in and was there for the birth and, and then left. And not a single time did my parents thank the midwife for the baby. <laughs> the midwife is not responsible for the baby but you're there during the process that's sort of how I feel you know I'm there to watch the birthing of this new awareness but once it's done I'm peace out I'm, I'm done you don't need me you don't need to you know the midwife doesn't babysit and cook and clean and raise the child you know that's not how it works yeah. this is funny because I've never I've never called myself a midwife before <laughs> which is I'm having some some uh, issues right now but but the idea of but it's still, I think it's a valid metaphor that that the idea of being somehow responsible for other people's success, screw that, man. I am not responsible for anybody's success, nor am I responsible for anybody's failure. I do have a responsibility to share what I know because I've realized that it, it's painful for me if I don't. Um, if I stop sharing, if I stop engaging, I physically get sick, I get ill, I get headaches, I feel blah, you know, my mind's all over the place. When I'm doing what happened today, whether you call it teaching, coaching, uncoaching, whatever the hell we want to call it, um, that's me and my best. That's when I'm, I'm being the person that I was born to be. And I imagine that I'll be doing that until the very second that I die. And, uh, and a matter of fact, I hope, I hope that when I take my last breath, it's right after giving a talk or maybe right in the middle of my best talk and I get assassinated. You know, <laughs> you really know you've made it when you get assassinated. Only, only ballers get assassinated. Jeff Latham is the founder and president of Latham Realty, headquartered in Anacortes, Washington. Jeff is a big believer in coaching. After seeing the success of some of Jesse's clients, Jeff looked him up on the internet and they began a coaching friendship. When did you first meet Jesse? met Jesse probably in person. I would say December of 2014. I started coaching with him in some of his programs about a year before that, 2013. And did you become aware of him on online, or how did you first uh, how did you first get introduced to him? I um yeah, just you know I seen some of his students were kicking ass, and so I just kind of followed his students, and then I wanted to know who their coach was, and it led to Jesse, and I thought, okay, I need to meet this guy. 
I want to find the coach's coach, right? And and so I connected with Jesse, and we had a good conversation, and then, um, you know, the rest was an amazing uh, co-creative relationship from there. Oh, neat. I haven't asked anybody else this yet, but what made you look for a coach? Why were you looking for a coach at the time? Uh, I'm a firm believer in coaching. I have about six coaches right now, and, uh, you know, coaching is it's a shortcut. It gives you the time machine to help you collapse time to get from where you are to where you want to be a lot quicker. You can um, accelerate the uh, learning curve by shortcutting a lot of the failure that other people or the challenges or mistakes other people have made and get there a lot faster. You say that coaching has accelerated your growth. What In what way has Jesse's coaching helped you accelerate your growth and, and avoid some maybe some pitfalls that would have would have slowed you down a little bit you know Jesse's style what I love about Jesse is he's just very authentic and positive right he just carries this presence around him where he's just kind of bulletproof nothing really gets to him some of his strengths that I love is he just shines a spotlight on the simplicity and the power in the simplicity of life and it just kind of brings it back to where it's less big plan and more just simplified wisdom that you can execute on. Just that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. If I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's well, and maybe this is my own perception is that he's really good at focusing in on what works, like just, just, and getting you to that, that point. Absolutely. So when you think back about that event, I mean, you've been around Jesse quite a bit, so it might not have been anything new to you, but was there anything on the, on the tour that, that uh, that stood out to you at, at his stop in Seattle? I think the biggest takeaway I got from him was uh, to get back and meditate and just drown out the noise from the rest of the world and, and really focus on the silence and just sticking in the, tapping into my own unique powers and, and drowning out the noise of everyone else, if that makes sense. The dude's unique for sure. You know, a lot of people teach tactics or uh, um, strategies, and Jesse's strategy is there is no strategy. You just go and take imperfect action, and results follow. And you just trust your inner GPS, if you will, right? And everybody else is teaching all, all their tactics that work for them, and their 10-point strategy or their super complicated system like and i just think sometimes in life we're just drowning drowning in information and we're starving for wisdom so just two more questions and we're we're here and people are waiting for us we can do is i think we'll move on (laughs) (laughs) we could open up open it up to everybody else too so I tried to craft this question. Be patient with me. I tried to craft this question all the way down here from Canada. And that is, I'm just wondering where all of this fits in. Like, I had a nephew that drug overdose this week. And so he's only 29 or 30 years old. And it kind of makes, you know, when those things happen in your life, it kind of makes you naturally pull back and go, what is all of this about? Yeah. And sometimes... Pain pain does that. Pain Pain gets our attention. Pain gets our attention. Like nothing else. And I know you are not a proponent of the, of, of this, but it seems like a lot of this goes on. There's success coaches and, 
you know, they're, they're coaching people on how to be multimillionaires and all that kind of stuff. And there's even this whole thing of, uh, well, Elizabeth uh, D'Alto, mm-hmm. she had a really good rant this week about how attraction, it doesn't work like, you're, you're not going to, the universe isn't going to be on your side if it's all about you, if it's all selfish, right? right? But the universe will be on your side if you sort of have, if you have a larger purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if you could expound on that a little bit, you know, with, <laughs> with my head being where it's at. With, yeah. with, and, and, you know, you look at what happened in France this week and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Where is all of this, where does all of this fit into that? Like, you know, yeah. learning about our purpose and all the stuff yeah. that we yeah. talked about today. Yeah, I, I, think, know? It's, I think it's How wonderful. do we keep a social context, I guess, our, our consciousness when... Well, with, first, with all of, first of all, and in, in, in this is this is a, a comment more about the news than it is about about your, your family. Yeah, well, it's, it, there is a thread, which is a commonality, which is our response to those things. But in terms of the news, unless somebody was actually in France and there when it happened, mm-hmm. they actually don't know what happened. And so what people are reacting to is they're reacting to the words, the sounds, the colors, the visuals on the TV screen. They're not reacting to the actual event. They're reacting to an interpretation of the event. So that's what the first thing we have to do is recognize what's actually happening right now. I'm reacting to my interpretation of someone else's interpretation of what happened. That's a lot of filters to run through. And so, uh, again not to add to or take away from whatever actually happened. I just know that I don't have direct experience of being there. And so automatically, I'm going to suspend some judgments about what happened or, or didn't happen. So that's kind of on the, on the news side. You know, we actually, right now, at the time of this recording, we live in the most peaceful time in human history. We also live in the time in human history where there are more recording and reporting devices, <laughs> cameras, phones, screens, yeah, always in than have ever happened. So if this if this thing in France would have happened 50 years ago, there would have been you know one or two stations that would have broadcast it, and you would have gone about your day. Well, now the number of channels has multiplied exponentially, as has the agenda of those who make money: reporters, journalists, marketers, mainstream media make money by hijacking our focus, tickling our limbic systems and getting us to feel fight or flight so we have to pay attention, you literally don't have a choice. When your fight or flight response is engaged, you don't have a choice. You have to look because it feels like survival. And then when you're in that state, then they're just capturing your attention and then the commercial comes on, you buy some shit you don't need and that's that's how the cycle works. So I'm very, like I don't own a TV, I haven't owned a TV in five years and I don't watch the news. I know a lot because I know people who are there or I know people who are, are boots on the ground so to speak so I hear a different perspective uh, but that's my that's my take on interpretation of events from a social context. And if it's that important to somebody to know what's going on, we'll go over there. Mm-hmm. If it's that important to make a difference in Haiti, go over there. I have several friends that went to Haiti during the earthquake to go volunteer and organize resources. I know a guy who flew his plane over there full of supplies to go make a difference. Awesome. Like, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. But otherwise, keep your attention on the projects and the people that you, have, that you are invested in. Because withdrawing your attention from them and allowing your focus to be hijacked and fractured because of something that happened on the other side of the world is actually a disservice to the people that you made a commitment to, including yourself. So that's on the, on the global side. On the individual side, and we talked in the, in the, in the uh, room today about the greatest freedom and the greatest gift. 
and the greatest freedom is allowing other people to have their own experience and as harsh as that may seem we've every one of us has had people in our life that have made choices that caused us some pain that pain is, a, is an indicator of the love and the, and, the, and, the, and the real compassion that we have for them because we don't like seeing people in pain especially when they're close to us and yet what's the alternative that we take away their choice and we say no you can't make that choice because I don't like the way it makes me feel and, I, and you shouldn't make that choice because I don't think it's right for you but we're not in their shoes am I advocating taking your life indirectly or directly no what I'm saying is that those choices that people make are theirs to make and we have the opportunity to love people through the process we also have the opportunity to create conditions where they're able to experience on their own the consequences of their choices and that's a very hard thing to do when you see somebody close to you somebody that you love making choices that are obviously painful for them it hurts and you want to go and make it better but if you make it better and you take away their consequences then what they learn is there are no consequences and that's a very um, a very very challenging lesson for a lot of people but the freedom that's in it for everybody for you for them to actually experience reality and learn to engage with reality and learn to master reality through making new choices that's all that pain is pain is a, a, an experience that gets our attention so if somebody's experiencing pain they then become present from that presence they now can gain awareness that awareness invariably leads to insights and those insights always lead to new thoughts new ideas new actions new results presence awareness insight and new P-A-I-N this is what pain is and pain is a gift we just don't have to live there. So when we begin to experience pain, now we can start to make new choices. The challenge is most people will do anything to avoid pain instead of getting present with it and becoming aware, developing insights, and then moving on, which is why people numb themselves out. This is why people use drugs and alcohol and all those things. And so, you know, again, there's no right, there's no wrong. Seeing people for who you know they can be from a place of joy and well-being I think is the absolute best way that we can help people. Yeah, and so just to wrap up, because we are the Fuel Radio podcast, and your energy all day has been amazing. Like, uh, what energizes you? Obviously, teaching and, and talking about this stuff energizes you. Like, you've been just energetic all day. So, do, do you have a... a thought for us on, on, or how do you stay energized yeah it's a it's a sensitivity to uh, to resistance and so you know if, if I'm if I'm driving my car I don't have to crash into the wall to realize that oh shoot I should have gone straight when you're in your car and you you're, you're not paying attention and all of a sudden you start to feel the that's your indicator to get back on the road and you could choose to keep going in which case you're going to get and then you hit the, the strips on the side there and then you keep going you hit the guardrail then you keep going you go off the cliff uh, or you could just hit the little and go oh shoot 
And so I experience resistance when I'm around any sort of negativity or I'm around any sort of stuff that's like, eh, nope, that's not me. So I'll just back away from it. And I don't have to experience pain. You don't have to create, to close this, you don't have to create joy and happiness. Joy and happiness is what you freaking are. So just stop doing the things that cover it up. And it will be an always on, on demand signal. And whether I sleep for 90 minutes or I sleep for eight hours, my energy is the same. Whatever I eat, I promise you're going to see me drink some sake like a champ in a second here. <laughs> and then maybe I'll go for six months and not drink anything. It just, I'm, I'm here to play on this planet. I'm here to play and to enjoy everything that this life has to offer. And I've learned that the things that make me feel good also make me feel good about myself. And that's the challenge for people listening to this. People start to enjoy themselves and it's like they have a limiter on joy. And they have a limiter on pleasure, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Like I'm somehow taking away from other people. You're not. If you're, if what you're doing makes you feel good about yourself, and you see the effect that it has on other people, then do more of that. And energy then is not something you have to capture. You just stop resisting it, and it just springs eternally. And that's that's who we are, man. It's what we are, every one of us. Well, thanks again for taking the time to do this. And uh, what's the best way for people to? Uh to reach you. I know you're rocking Facebook because I follow you on Facebook religiously. Yeah, Facebook, but yeah. <laughs> what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, the best way is probably uh, jessielder.com and they can sign up for the uh, for the emails and the, and the uh, mind vitamins. And Facebook still is a great way. We've got a couple of different pages that are up. And um, there's always something new and cool and different that's happening. Uh, but those are two guaranteed ways to uh, to see what the, what the latest is. Good. And I'm looking at Jesse's uh, menu right now. It's turned to the Saki page. Yeah. <laughs> If we had video, you could see it. I think here's what I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go with the uh, Junmai Ginjo. It's very clean in taste, with the rice suggesting a subtle sweetness in the mouth. Uh, that's, that's, that's the that one. That does describe today. I have a bottle of premium at home. I think that describes this day perfectly. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much to Jesse and everyone who joined me on this episode of the Fuel Radio Podcast. Join me next time when we talk to spiritual teacher Ken W. Stone and author Jan Carlin.